Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Hello, and welcome back to the Divorce Course Podcast. Welcome back, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. And as we've learned, as you've been speaking to some of our DIY blueprint for divorce members, you are also mum to them because they've been calling you mum. And I think that, I think that's a gorgeous story. They're very welcome (laughs) to. I am more than happy to share my mum with everyone because she's amazing. And mum, I have heard you say many, many times, well, that's just straight out of the beep playbook and mum you are a bit of a swear and we're not swearing on this show but we've decided to call it the narcissist playbook and how do you know that these things are straight out of the narc playbook well because I see it a lot I can I over 35 years because I'm not a psychologist of course and uh, I can diagnose probably an a-hole (laughs) not necessarily a narcissist but we'll call it narcissist for today Um, our friends know what we're talking about Um, yeah but just look honestly if if there really is a playbook or were to be a playbook for a narcissist it would be in two parts and the first part would be I only care about me and the second Mm. part would be called I tell lies Mm. and uh, everything that they do um goes into those categories but sometimes it helps people either predict the next move of their ex or at least feel a little better about some of the things their ex does because hey lots of men or most and mostly men but some women do this yeah Mm. Mm. so maybe you won't feel so alone and mum you've broken it down to 10 that we're going to talk about today Mm. have you seen like these are the ones that you see all the time is that right absolutely yep Absolutely. Um, Sometimes they're a flag for me and then you see the other behaviours or predict the other behaviours. Sometimes um, they've been doing all of these things to their their partner before the partner comes to see me. But, yes, Mm. at least uh, they don't know how predictable they are and it's a lot easier Mm. to know what you're dealing with. So if you're listening to this and you're about to step into your divorce or about to separate, these are some things you can look out for Mm -hmm. or be aware of that could happen. And if you are currently in your divorce proceedings or in going through the divorce part, you know, these are things that, you know, be aware that they could occur, but also if you are experiencing them, mum's going to give us a little bit of tips on how she deals with them and, you know, how you might be able to cope with and deal with these in in the space of divorce in the legal world. So, again, as mum's mentioned, this is uh, general advice only. And mum isn't a psychologist. She nope. has just seen this stuff happen over and over and over and over again. And so that's why I was like, all right, you keep talking about this playbook. Let's open it up and have a look. So <laughs> let's start with number one in the playbook is they tend to rewrite history yes they do they do uh sometimes you won't believe what you hear from their lawyer um sometimes uh they even reverse things around and Mm. it's you know you wonder if you were in the same marriage or same relationship with these people um Mm. one of the things or about being prepared for these things is that you don't keep getting that shock 
when they do something else, if you can see it coming. But rewriting history is one that really hurts, really hurts, mm. because it's lying and they know, they know you know they're lying and they do it anyway. Mm. And I guess that 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 feeling, if if it is in an affidavit or if it's in a letter to the from a lawyer, you know, you've got that. Oh my goodness, this is my history. This is my life. How yeah. how can this person be making this stuff up? And and possibly how embarrassing. Like I sound like an absolute horrible human, or or they've Absolutely. they've rewritten my life and it's on paper. So yes. I guess that that could really throw some clients of oh. yours off. Absolutely, a little bit spin them off yeah and and until they get their side of the story down on paper they feel vulnerable because the written word seems to have that much power um and Mm. but it's hard because if if they tell their lawyer something their lawyer writes to your lawyer your lawyer is going to assume that's the truth uh, or a little bit of the truth but when you tell them it's completely wrong um it's Mm. very hard to convince them um, especially mm. as, as they like to get in first, you know. And, and so I guess that, that's one of the catches with this, where if, if they are rewriting histories, you've got to have a really good relationship, I guess, with your lawyer mm. to be able to say, you know, actually none of that is true. Because if someone said to you, oh, that entire person has made that entire lie, that is hard to believe. You'd think it's, it's unbelievable someone could make so many lies. So how is it, how can a client, if they do have a lawyer, or if they're self-representing, how can they show that, you know what, it is actually all lies? What, what can they do to get a good relationship going and be believed? Well, if your lawyer doesn't believe you, you need to go away and get someone else who does, I think, because it's hard enough. It's hard enough going through this. Um, but sometimes you can't prove it. Sometimes it's he says, she says. But be sure of this, that the lies and the rewriting of history will at some point encounter or encompass something you can prove. Like, oh, my God, that's not true and here's the photo of us in Tasmania when he said we didn't go. Or, oh, my God, that's not true. Here's the receipt and my card when I gave him that car. You know, so Mm. um, you might not be able to rebut all of the things because they try to, to lie about stuff that can't be proven. Um, mm. But, yes, uh, lovely with Facebook and, and social media, as a bigger devil as it is, and all our frequent photos on our cameras, um, but they can be used to very good effect. And once a person's credit, um, you know, as in believability is damaged, like once mm. you have a couple of points where you really nail that other person to the floor with your proof, then no one believes them, you know, and the court and your lawyer and even their lawyer will probably start thinking, hmm, I wonder what else they're telling lies about. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's some comforting thoughts there for mm. people if that's what's happening. And and another tip that I've heard is if you, you're not a lawyer but you're, you know, you're, you've seen this stuff written about you and you're devastated or you're embarrassed, try and think of it like the paparazzi where you read, you know, one of those magazines where they make stuff up. Um, <laughs> we might get just, sued there. Oh, they okay, don't I'll make take... stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, you know, a, a magazine where they're, you know, they're, it's the stories are so outrageous yeah. um, and, and a celebrity just brushes it off. So I guess you could pretend you're a celebrity and pretend that your uh, stuff written about you is in a trashy magazine and you can just brush it off. 
Or you can put it through that um, simulated uh, app we found where it reads everything out in Donald Trump's voice. Yeah, that will, that helps too. Okay, so number two, um, and we've gotten this a lot in questions from um, listeners and people on Instagram. If you'd like to send us some, uh, a question, you can send it to the Divorce Course through Instagram DM or you can email us on the Divorce Course Podcast at gmail.com. But one of them is they the, the, they spend the money before property settlement. So they'll go and get everything out of the bank account and spend it all and be like, there's nothing to share because it's all gone. So what 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 happens there, Mum? Yes, well, uh, they, uh, that does happen a lot where they're living the life of Riley, head off on an overseas trip or buy a new car or, or just disappear it. Um, usually there's a house involved and you can get that counted back towards them and you would then buy then sorry you could get that um taken as though they've already had a premature distribution of their funds and the court will usually add that back in as an as an imaginary amount and then you might get more of the house so um some things if they've got a hundred percent control you may have to take some steps to stop them um, like if the only thing you've got is the business and suddenly it takes a dramatic downturn, you may have to get into court to stop them. Um, but right. little things, um, you know, selling something, selling your favourite, I don't know, sewing machine or, or whatever online or, or flogging off some cars, just keep track of it. Um, but as long as there's enough money left in the main pool, um, they won't really get away with it. Okay, so those people that are panicking because their ex is spending big and, you know, draining all the money away, if you've got a house or if you've got property, like Mum said, that it can be added back. What they've spent can be added back and then you get more of what's left. But if they took our advice when they left, if there was money that they had access to, um, you would have taken uh, half or even all of it on the basis that you know you're not going to blow it and that would preserve Mm. the cash the family so yeah it just depends on your situation okay and it's general advice only but yeah so don't panic if they're going and spending all the money um because like mum said you can you can still include that in the property pool and if you can't get to a lawyer fast (laughs) yes now number three is uh secret super accounts secret bank accounts and secret cash yeah sounds very secret yes and and sometimes these people have been doing this uh remember this is in part one of i don't care about anyone but me um Mm. they're they're stashing money away on in their own name throughout the marriage sometimes sometimes for years and you have no inkling and it's Mm. kind of um it's easy enough to find those things. Um, if it's a super fund, you can usually find it. If it's a, um, if it's um, money in a secret account, you can often find it unless they've gone to some obscure bank. Um, you can usually find it with subpoenas or you'll find a trace. If they've just got lumps of cash, and, and I can remember a case many years ago where there was something like twelve or $13,000 kept in a bag, in a first aid kit bag, um, under the sink <laughs> and of <laughs> course that sink. that went was gone uh, and then you do have some problems with proving it um, but these days with text messages or whatever you know chances are you've got a photo or someone's mentioned it but again mm. look um, you could try to get that added back in but unless you can prove it it might might not be added back in 
I would say maybe instead of the secret cache under the kitchen sink, which may have happened in the old days, I think one thing that people might be missing is is the digital wallets that people have that have Bitcoin and, yes. you know, sand dollars or whatever it is that yes. the, the bit currency that's going around at the moment. So if you are in a relationship and you've separated and they you think that, that that's the kind of thing they might do, you know, see if you can find before you leave, if you can find some evidence of, you know, any digital currency or anything that they've, that they might have stashed mm. away. Cause that's really hard to prove. It is. Um, if they've yes. never taken it out and, you know, that, yeah. that is part of the assets. It's just because it's not in Australian dollars doesn't mean it's not it's very tricky to prove. It's very tricky yeah. to prove. Um, also, um, sometimes I've seen people put their credit cards into a, to a positive balance, um, you uh-huh. know, and no one thinks of looking at that so that you could store several thousand dollars in there, um, you know. Wow. Uh, and one case I had years ago, their their credit limit was $7,000. They put $7,000 in there. And unless you looked carefully, if you just quickly scanned the statement, you go, oh, yes, it's 7000 You know, you didn't realise. And another one I had was where they put a positive balance in a banking account or even in, um, I guess, an online, uh, sorry, uh, gambling account. You know, you put money in there yeah. uh, oh, and yeah, that's a true. good place to hide money because we don't routinely check gambling accounts. That's true. Mm. That's true. Okay. Well, there, mm. there's some things to look out for. The next one we had was undermining you with your family and undermining you with parents, siblings, and even your own children. Yeah. How does that show up in, in some of your past situations in law? Well, it shows up. Uh, where the person who's being played by the narcissist or the manipulative and controlling person is short of support. Their main supports, their parents or their siblings or their workmates or even their kids, um, those relationships have been poisoned by the narcissist. And that's, that's all about um, control again and looking good. You know, I only care about me, how I look to everyone else. And it also plays into their lives because they do go and lie. And and say, for instance, um, the narcissist had an affair. They'll tell, I've seen them tell the other person, family, that it was the wife that had the affair or, you know, the other person that had the affair. And and mm. then you look sort of guilty just by denying. Uh, so mm. they just try to un- undermine you with them and it's devastating. You'll feel very alone if the narcissist does that. Um, and the way I often find this is they get to your family when you split up, um, usually before you can bring yourself to talk to it. They've already been around or rung them up or texted them and, yeah, and, and they'll use any information they've got and anything you've ever said about your family to try to poison your family against you so they've got a better chance of beating you and, and they come out looking what do they say smelling like roses and you look like mm. so how how can people counteract that or be prepared for that i it's guess maybe hard. you know why you know why they get away with it is because in a manipulative and controlling relationship you don't tell your family the awful things they're doing uh, you're still you're still under the spell of the person or you're trying to hide it um, and so the first time they know there's trouble, 
is either when you tell them or when your ex tells them. So I think if things are starting to go funny and you're suspecting things, talk to your family, talk to your siblings. Don't don't be strong and tough right up till the end. Um, but, yes, it's it, there's no harm in, in sharing with them what's going on if it's heading south. And even if it's not, you know, it's not your shame. It's his or her shame. It's not and that the, is that is super hard for people to cope with. But if you're prepared for that, maybe yeah. If if you're thinking about leaving, maybe go and talk to your family about it before, um, you know, so that you've got that support group. Um, the other thing that they tend to do, Mum, is play the victim. Oh, so yes. how do you see that play out in divorce? I, I see it uh, with uh, domestic violence applications. Um, if a, a person who has been assaulted and, or hurt um, or man, manipulated brings a domestic violence application, then you'll often find the other person who's actually the person doing the, the uh, violence or the manipulation, they'll file for a cross-application for domestic violence. Um, that happens a lot. Um, and they tell people you're crazy that you know they tell everyone that you're crazy so that no one will listen to you um they they can usually play very straight face you know and sound reasonable and i'm afraid in our world men still have a little bit of an edge in terms of um people kind of respecting their views and women are still regarded as hormonal and over dramatic and you know overexcited um, in our court system at the moment. So it's, it's very hard when they just turn around and play the victim as well. Again, just keep records documented if you can, you know, of what's been going on. And the, the true colours usually come out eventually, but it's hard to mm. prove a narcissist who doesn't hit you or, you know, it's hard to prove what has been going on with them. But we're mm. learning. We're learning coercive mm. control is a crime now in some states in Australia. Yeah, and I guess that the, you really the defence that you can have and the way you can protect yourself from that is, you know, keep a diary, you know, when yeah. events happen, see if you can have evidence. You don't have to tell anyone now, but, you know, if you if you – you don't feel like you can talk to anyone just yet, but if you keep all that evidence and build it up over time, you might have the confidence to go and talk to someone. And if you go to the police uh, after an, just one incident with the evidence of just one incident, maybe they won't believe you. But if you go with, you know, a diary full of evidence that have built up over the last, I don't know, three months, six, six months, a year, you're probably going to be taken more seriously. But in saying that, if you feel like you are unsafe or if you really need help, you go straight to, go the, police straight and, to the police and you yes. give it your best shot. Yeah. But I, I understand why some people might feel hesitant to go and do that, particularly if this kind of person that that is using this playbook is rewriting history, playing the victim, and you just you just don't want to don't want to face this kind of nonsense. I totally, you know, I can mm. see how overcoming and overbearing this would be for you so um I think it's good though for people who are listening to know that oh okay that this happens to me that's what my ex does (laughs) so even though it sucks you know that you're not alone and 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 as we've said before mum a lot of people don't talk about this you know everyone kind of suffers silently when they go through a divorce or suffer definitely yeah yeah, it's funny because because uh, I'm older. Um, 
I've seen how open people are on television advertising, say, sanitary items for women, you know, mm. which were never discussed when I was young. Um, mm. Also, uh, just so many personal things, uh, you know, breast surgery or or any of things that used to be taboo and would never be mentioned, and living together mm. without being married, all of those things. But the one thing that hasn't improved, the one thing that hasn't improved is talking about manipulative control in a relationship. Women hide it, and the men, of course, mm. hide it, um, and the public just doesn't want to see it. I mean, we're good yeah. if there's a bruise. We're all right with that as a society. But this very damaging manipulative and controlling behaviour is its just not spoken about enough, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah, and I think so So that you know you're not alone, you know, we are all here, we're all mm. talking about it and yeah. hopefully, you know, you can feel like you maybe can talk to some people about it and just if we all put, play, take a step and try and talk about it a little bit more, yeah. maybe things will get better in the future. Yep, speak your truth. It's not your shame. It's the other person who's behaving poorly. Okay. That's right. I'm going to jump to this one, um, which I think is funny the way you've written it. Father or mother of the year, a miraculous transformation. (laughs) So so all of a sudden they're just this amazing picture comic book dad that everyone goes, wow, you're amazing. Sometimes that happens because they've taken everything for granted and suddenly they realise what they might lose. Those people are narcissistic, I don't think. Mm. They're just, Mm. you know, comfortable and a bit lazy maybe in the history. But, um, yes, if they've been self-absorbed and not interested in the children, the children are pretty well um, desperate for attention. And in order, and, and the person knows that your life is your kids. Okay, so mm. let's get those kids away from her influence or his influence and let's make them love me more. So 100% attention, taking them out on amazing trips, that might be where some of the money's going, uh, buying them things, often inappropriate toys that are dangerous or going on activities that are dangerous to try and sort of rile you. They say yes to the kids the whole time. Kids don't go to bed at night. So when it's Father of the Year, it's only in the eyes of the children. The children love it. Um, they leave the mm. discipline to you. And the kids who've been starved at this person's attention just love it. And, and it's very hard to combat uh, because as a loving parent, you want the other parent to be a good parent too. So you're happy mm. for your children that they're happy. But mm. it'll often come at a price for the narcissist, and that is that uh, at the same time they'll be trash-talking the other parent and making odious comparison. Oh, your mother never does this, you know. And I remember um, one lady once, she was so upset. Uh, she was struggling to buy groceries and the father, who didn't have them for very long, only a couple of days, um, he just spent the money on toys, took them into Toy World. And how can you compete with that, especially if they're five or six-year-olds? Uh, you mm. just have to ride it out. But just know um, the sad thing is that doesn't last and the children are very bruised and damaged uh, when the narcissist doesn't get any fun out of doing that. So, oh, yeah. so it's a, usually a temporary thing it in is. your clients. It is probably for the mm. length of the court proceedings. Um, that's my oh. experience. Yeah. 
That's sad. So I, I guess the comfort there for parents is, you know, it is good for your children to be getting that attention and yes. enjoying those experiences. And heck, if they're spending money on them and they're getting toys they've always dreamed of, then that's, that's right. fantastic. Yeah. Um, the downside is when it stops, yeah. uh, you need to be there to catch them and perhaps get them some psychological counselling, you know, just yeah. fixing them back up so they understand what the difference between conditional love and unconditional love is, I guess, yes. and, and so and they don't the, go and make the same mistake when they get married when they well, grow up. And if the person has taught them, if the narcissist has taught them that you can only be loyal to one parent at a time, mm. you know, don't talk about your mum or don't talk about your dad when you're over here, um, then when uh, the, the kids wake up, um, they'll they will vote with their feet and they'll often come back to the parent that isn't the narcissist and they'll cut the narcissistic parent off. So, you know, so when it starts to happen, um, I don't want people to mix up the ones where sometimes the fathers have just been sleepwalking through the marriage and, and yeah, then they suddenly yeah. realise, oh, my goodness, I might lose my, you know, beautiful children and they yeah. start paying attention, realising what they've got. That's one thing and that lasts. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm talking about the ones who just drop them when it's not convenient or useful to them. Yeah. but And then I guess that could be frustrating for, you know, I guess the ex if you've been like, well, why weren't you like that when we were together? But I Absolutely. guess that's that, – Look, if there's it going to be a positive out of a separation, uh, if they're not a narcissist and this isn't a short-term thing, then the positive is that they have changed. If, if they are, however, manipulative, controlling, just, you know – be there for your kids afterwards. Now, the next one that I find interesting here, Mum, is re- they repartner almost at once, you say, and they recruit their partner in campaigns. So can you explain how you've seen that in your 35 oh, years? So many, so many times. They um, get a new partner almost at once. Um, they divorce as soon as they possibly can. Um, they get a new partner almost at once and then the new partner, um, in a way, they they recruit the new partner in their um, lies and, and perhaps telling the kids lies and, and, and you know, and, and setting up like a parallel home because what they want is to pretend that you never existed and just set up in their new home um, the way things need to be because what's happened in your marriage or your relationship is that you have woken up to the narcissist you've woken up and now you know what they're really like and, and that they can't handle that. So they go and find someone who still stars in their eyes that they can have mm. as a new partner. So, yes, that's always a flag for me if they can move on that quickly. And what about this recruiting their partners in campaigns? What do you mean by that? Well, um, I've heard of uh, cases where the only conversation between the, the ex-partner and his new partner are about the, you know, his ex-wife or ex-fiancé or de facto or whatever, um, and that their relationship is actually quite toxic in a way because it's it's focused on hating someone else. And mm. sometimes I've seen one or two massive fallouts after the case is over because they don't have any common, uh, anything in common anymore. So, yes, just mm. watch for someone who can repartner and move on so quickly um, it's probably an indication they weren't very invested in the relationship anyway. 
You did say um, when we were talking through these before we started recording that sometimes um, if there is a spectacular breakup from this oh. new partner, that that that's some that sometimes that helps you in the, in the future with your case because they can come down and say, well, actually he said this or he did this or they spilled oh, the beans. Absolutely, very helpful yeah. and subpoena them if necessary uh, because yeah. they might not want anything to do with your case. But if you are confident they're not going to support your ex, uh, then you mm. can get them into the witness box um, to show stuff that only otherwise happens behind closed doors. Okay, so that's a positive if, if you are facing that. I guess you can be like, well, if they break up and they see the same thing that you've seen, you know, then perhaps maybe, yeah. yeah. You can. It also might be that you have been the new partner and that you heard only lies and rubbish trash-talking about your predecessor and now you can see um, mm. what, what it's like. And sometimes that predecessor might be a good witness for you in your case ah, um, because, okay. as we know, this coercive control is, is often a pattern of things. Mm. It's not a single incident. And if it can mm. be shown to have existed across two relationships, then, you know, that's very helpful. Mm, like first wives club really or something yeah (laughs) i love that movie it's an amazing movie um okay so another one we talk you've you've talked about professionals so in your 35 years of experience Mm. you've seen this situation where out of the playbook they go to the joint professionals you've had in your marriage so the doctor the accountant your workmates can you talk us Mm -hmm. through what to expect there yeah so for some reason self-employed people um often fall into this narcissistic strategy. Maybe it's because they can't work with anyone else um, or maybe it's because they've got big ideas, I don't know. Um, But they will, even if you've been doing a lot of the work in this relationship, and I've seen this time and time again, a business is set up, uh, usually the husband has the skill like the electrician, builder or whatever he does, the wife has been reliable and supportive and done the books, run the kids to school, um, taken um, messages, worked in the office, whatever. Um, when they um, split up for some reason, uh, because uh, some reason I've seen it all over the place, that where the accountants will stop talking to the wife, usually because the narcissist has got to them first, undermined you, lied to them, and they're nervous, you know, and so you'll find they'll be um, a a bit vague. They won't send you the stuff they normally sent you. They're scared to send you stuff, even though you're still, you know, there in the business, Um, and they'll also sideline you with doctors as far as the kids go, and everywhere you go, you'll feel like um, people don't believe you and that people think you're a bit strange you can see the look in their eyes and it's really hard to deal with you know that would be so hard to deal with yeah I mean yeah and I I remember saying um something like that once where I had been hit when I was young um and everyone in the family sort of avoided me (laughs) just Mm. didn't make sense you know? So what what kind of things can people do in that situation? Like can it get in the way legally no, of your divorce? Give up. Get your own accountants. Get your own team um, who can then see through the book. Pardon me. But, mm. you know, you, 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 if you're 
if those people can't be both of your advisors, um, they can't. They, they're going to be torn and they may be persuaded by him. And if they're not persuaded by him, they're at least stuck in the middle of a domestic mm. rela- that they're not going to like. So mm. I think cut your losses, get your own accountant, get your own doctors and, and set up your own support group. And I guess um, Pedro, in one of the episodes we did on finance and financial mm. planners, um, legally they're not allowed to have two uh, clients that are separated because they can't help in your best well, interest. So, so get get new people. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know if it's they're like not having on your the side. same lawyer. You yeah, know, that's I crazy. It's, it always amazed me that anyone would try to be the one for both people. You can't. No. It's not possible. Okay, no. all right, and and then we've got these last two, and that is one of them is they claim credit for the things you did, or mm. you know the the effort that you put in. So when does that happen? Does that happen usually in like a trial or uh, affidavits and letters? You'll see it, and then okay. in a trial, so they'll they'll minimise because the documents we have ask about contribution. Um, they'll minimise right. the amount of housework you did. Oh, she was pretty poor at housework and anyway we had a cleaner and I did lots and they boost what they did. I did this on the weekends and I usually cook meals when, you know, it, it's probably completely false, probably the other way around, you know, but they just, yeah. I don't know whether they believe it or not, but it does, yeah. but time and time again my clients are saying to me, that's not true. He used to go to the yeah. pub. <laughs> I mowed yeah. the lawn. I've mowed the lawn for, you know. Um, so, yes, they do claim. It does that. Does that really matter in the end? The court's so used to it. I think the judges roll their eyes when they say, oh, you know, but when I was home I'd bath the kids and feed the kids. So they just see that as pretty equal contribution in parenting. Um, yeah. They don't usually make a, a distinction between one and the other. But it's just so, like sometimes these manipulative and controlling people can't let you even win one little bit of credit for anything, do you know? So yeah. it's like they yeah. and they say things about you um, that make you seem like you were just a terrible everything, terrible parent, terrible housewife, just diminish you, you know. And in the business, mm. oh no, she wasn't really that good in that anyway. I had to fix it up after she left. You know, it was all wrong. It's just, yeah, it's just nasty. Mm. Sounds terrible. <laughs> so I guess in that, if they're claiming credit for what you did, I think you're just going to have to kind of. As mum says, is it pick up your skirts and walk off with dignity? Pick up and just with dignity and walk away. And, of course, yeah. they, they very seldom know enough um, about the court system to give you any credit and and then they become unbelieved, disbelieved, you know. Mm. You'll, you'll see the judges roll their eyes when this rosy uh, interpretation of how they contributed through the marriage and how the other party did absolutely nothing, um, yes. it, that's not feasible. It's not not no. believable, and it's. No. Um, I know one judge in particular who says things like, "Well, she did give birth to three children. Do you call that doing nothing?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> oh, I'm glad they take that into consideration. <laughs> At least that's something that you can take credit for. They can't take credit for that. <laughs> no, nope, they can't. <laughs> now, and the last one, I guess, uh, which which I think kind of fits in with everything and I know you touched on it a minute at the beginning but they reverse things and blame you for doing the things that they've done 
I know it's it's in the lies, isn't it? And and mm. they don't care. And and again, it's we talked about it at the beginning, really. That it's so blatant, it takes your breath away, and yeah. and people just tremble with anger. I've seen it; like they just can't believe it. And because it's written, especially if it's written on a lawyer's letterhead or it's in an affidavit, it just freaks them out. And it's so hard to. It's like shadow boxing because you can't guess what they're going to say next. Yeah. I guess because that and it's nothing to do with the truth. No. And I guess if they if they write affidavits that are just full of that kind of thing where they just reverse everything and make it you, like you're the one who did it and you're like but wait like I can imagine your clients going but but you did that. You did that to me. Yeah. I don't understand. And and all um, we can do is do the affidavit that says no that's he didn't. That's what I did. You know, yeah. I did this, I did that. Um, did that happen and it's a lot? hard. Does that happen a lot? Yes, yes. And what yes. does the what what does a judge do in that situation? Uh, by the time it gets to the court, um, either in an in- interim, it doesn't matter. They're mm. looking for cor- for corroborative evidence of some kind. If it's uh, at the trial um, at that stage, it it does. You've generally got some proof, and there's a pattern showing in their material. And sometimes, too, if they put in uh, several affidavits. Um, they can become more and more strident and more and more um, embellished as they get on and then mm. the, a good barrister can take them back to their early ones and the judge will see. I mean, they see it all the time. So I guess they kind of end up catching themselves out by weaving that web of lies, I guess, you know. Yes. And, and they don't make reasonable concessions they don't you know a a reasonable person in any relationship for instance in terms of contributions would say well yes of course we did we both you know worked we both kept the house clean and we both cared for the kids when we could Mm. Okay. Well, um, I think like you said, mum, it's really down to don't care and lies, (laughs) you know, or as as I've heard on a podcast, it's, you know, what's in it for me, but that's one of the things, what's in it for me and how does this make me look and revenge? And I guess sometimes these people, maybe they just do it just to make you get upset and to upset you because maybe they're mad that you left them or, you know, that you've made them look bad or. And the more upset you get. Um, if they've ploughed the ground well and they've told everyone that you're crazy, the more upset you get, the more you are playing into their scenario. And I guess you do look crazy if you get really upset in front of everyone. They're like, oh, look, see, she is crazy. So I I can see that it's a real... It's a real trap that people need to be aware of. And unfortunately, until the court system gets up to date with this kind of behaviour, you know, women and and men who are in these situations need to be aware that they're being judged. Uh, I think I'm seeing a real surge of understanding of manipulative control and Mm. I'm seeing in the rules, the new rules, instead of everyone filing their affidavit at the same time, both parties, they now have the applicant files and then the other party can respond. So uh, that way if you've got a pack of lies in an affidavit, you'll see that and then you're allowed to respond to it rather than having put your material in with no idea they're going to make these outrageous claims and then their affidavit and your affidavit are already in and you didn't say anything about it. So it allows, yeah, the buckle now, which is good. I think people will feel better for it. And be sure, what's the Bible say? Be sure your sins will find you out. Um, These lies don't last and they usually get caught. They either they slip up at something 
um, mm. and then you get some documentary evidence. And once you catch them out on a lie, um, and it's often they're uncooperative in court, so they might not reveal all their financial or whatever. Once mm. you do, then the court says, oh, okay, I can see this is someone that can't be trusted. They couldn't be trusted on this point and we've got proof. Therefore, where their story conflicts with your story, they're going to believe you because that other that he's already proven to be a liar. Okay. That's where it comes. It's a beautiful way of finishing it out. <laughs> You've just got to ride it out <laughs> to mm-hmm. get to that point. Mm-hmm. So basically from the narcissist playbook, Mum, you've pointed out some things that you've seen through your years of doing the law, family law. You've seen them rewrite history, spend all the money before property settlement, uh, have secret supers, secret banks, secret cash. You've seen them undermine the other party with their family, their kids, their siblings. Uh, you see them play the victim. You see them reverse things and blame that you're the other person for the things that they actually did to them. Uh, you see them claiming credit for things that they didn't do. You see them going to the professionals that you might they might have had in joint relationships, the doctors, the accountants, the workmates, and turning them against them. You've seen them all of a sudden become father or mother of the year, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad reasons, and, and the effect that has on the kids. And also you see them quickly repartner um, almost at once and recruit those partners in in their campaigns it sounds like a war book but (laughs) I think look I think if we put it out there and open that book up for other people to see it's a good it's a good way to either go you know what I'm not alone or you know what I'm going to watch out for that um so thank you mum for sharing your nuggets of um observations again you're not a psychologist but you've seen this happen and look someone's got to share this information with everybody so thank you mum and and if anybody's listening we have a competition every month where we choose one lucky podcast reviewer uh all you have to do is review our podcast and we choose one a month and that lucky person gets to talk to mum for 30 minutes Uh, as a free consultation, not on air. So if you are interested in that, we would love you to rate, review and subscribe to us. And also, um, mum, thank you for everything that you have shared with us today. (laughs) Uh, Remembering that this is general advice only. It's general advice, yes. And and it's just from an older woman who's seen a lot, I guess. You know. <laughs> seen the world and is wanting to share. Now, also, we're doing a free webinar, if you are interested, in about a month's time in November. There are two dates. Yes. So, Mum mum and I, we've gotten better at our webinars, so we would love you to come <laughs> along. Um, and Mum's going to share some more pearls of wisdom. And we have a live Q&A at the end. So, if you'd like to come along to that, jump on our website, click the links in our bios or click the link in the show notes and Register your ticket. It's free, and we would love to see you there. You know, we don't actually get to see your faces, but you can comment in the in the sidebar, yeah. and we can have a Q and A with you. And and don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. Yes, as well, of course, of <laughs> course. <laughs> All right. So thank you for that, everybody who's listening. If you are going through this, we got your back. You're not alone, and um, we wish you all the best. Mum, did you have any last yes. words? No, just bless everyone. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. (laughs) Thank God for (laughs) mum. All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Have a good one. Bye. Bye. 
If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.